0: Procrastination, folks. you will get the best of ya. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is the Vince Slano Podcast, episode 18. On today's episode, we're talking about the new trailer for Blade Runner 2049, the new Hellboy reboot, the first trailer for The Defenders, and I'm finally talking about my trip to Walt Disney Animation Studios. So, sit back and relax, because the Vince Slano Podcast starts right... Now well, good morning everybody. Welcome to the Vince Salerno Podcast on this Monday, May 15th, 2017. I'm your host, Vince Salerno. And I opened up with procrastination because well, part of it's procrastination, but I uh, had a couple of complications recording this episode. When I first recorded on Friday. Um, I had to run home in the middle of recording it because my computer was dying, and I, and I got lazy and decided to take a nap. I'd made sure that the rest of the audio files had saved, and they did, and I'd come back tonight to record the rest of it, and it was gone. I don't know how. It was just gone. So after, you know, cursing myself and getting really pissed off at myself, I thought, you know what? Just do it again get it over with, so here I am, to be honest, Sunday night, doing this episode, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I've been putting off this episode for another, for a week already, don't want to put it off any longer, so I wanted to do this, so here we are, Sunday night, for Monday morning, uh, hope you guys enjoy this, anyways, let's get right into the top five. First off, number one, we've got the first official trailer for Blade Runner 2049, the sequel to the all-time classic sci-fi film, Blade Runner. Uh, This film takes up 30 years after the original, where a new Blade Runner named Kay, played by Ryan Gosling, discovers a new secret that could destroy society, which is on the verge of breaking. And the only way to do that is to find Rick Deckard. Uh, This trailer's freaking awesome. I love it. It's so Blade Runner, and it captures the look... The feel, the tone, the aesthetic of that original film so well. And it's really hard to tell what's green screen, what's not, what's CGI, what isn't. I'm sure there's some compositing and whatnot in that, but it's incredible. Like, some of the big wide shots, the overhead stuff, and those look like, um, look like real buildings. Like, they actually went to Los Angeles in 2049 and shot the movie. I mean, it's crazy. Um, there's a building, I think, that in the beginning of the trailer that looks like the Tyrell Corporation building from the original film, which, you know, for you diehard Blade Runner fans like me, would be awesome. Also, it's just really cool to see Harrison Ford back in the role. I know it's kind of like a weird thing, Harrison Ford reprising all his, um, classic roles, like first Indiana Jones and then Han Solo, now Rick Decker, and he's going to do Indiana Jones again. Um, but it seems like that's just something he really wants to do with his career. He just wants to resurrect, uh, or bring back new, ca- old characters he's played in the past and revisit them thirty years. This just a thing he likes to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a great thing. And, um, especially with this film where it, the first one wasn't such a great hit back in the day, I, I have no doubt in my mind this next movie will be a huge hit. Like, maybe even start a new franchise with Ryan Gosling's character, and maybe even Harrison Ford, for that matter. I mean, there's no saying that Deckard's going to die in this movie, but definitely, you know, shouldn't keep that option uh, completely uh, out. I mean, there's definitely a chance that Deckard could die in this movie, but you shouldn't uh, count on it. There's definitely a possibility of him surviving through this film and then continuing to... Go on to be in future Blade Runner movies, but yeah, I love the trailer. I love the look of it. I love the big, fancy, pink-looking holograms. Uh, I love the replicants. I think Jared Leto's character might be a replicant himself. I don't know. His eyes look very conspicuous. the The whole thing just looks like a big expansion of the the same themes and values and and uh, and uh, questions that. Still need answering. That made the first movie so fantastic. That first film really challenged the world to think about what it means to be human and what it means to exist. And I feel like this film was going to continue asking those questions while adding more to the conversation. So, as a huge fan, so excited. Hopefully this makes a ton of money at the box office. Alright, number two. We're getting a Hellboy reboot with David Harbour and Neil Marshall directing. Pretty straight to the point. It's Hellboy. It's uh, David Harbor, Chief Jim Hopper from Stranger Things. Uh, I I'm I'm divided on this thing. I on one side I love David Harbor as an actor. He was one of my favorite parts of Stranger Things, and I'd love to see him take off as an actor. But on another end, you have Ron Perlman. You have Benicio, or Benicio, so Guillermo del Toro. Both. Veterans of that franchise who are ready and game to come back and do a second, third installment to close out that trilogy, um. But I understand why. You know, it's a, be a two hundred million dollar movie, and no studio is going to just going to hand over two hundred million dollars for a franchise that's not even that popular. I mean, it just it makes sense business wise, but it's just a, really just a shame because Guillermo del Toro is a fantastic filmmaker, and his films are so diverse and different. It's like, that was the one film of his that I was so looking forward to was uh, Hellboy 3, but we're not going to get it, so no point crying about it anymore. But I think David Harbour would be a fantastic Hellboy. I I haven't seen any of Neil Marshall's films, so I don't know if he's going to be good or not, but um, it's going to be, sounds like it's going to be more dark and uh, gritty than the Guillermo del Toro movies, which is fine. R-rated probably too. So yeah, this this sounds like a good idea. I'm totally down for a new Hellboy uh, reimagining. Sounds great. All right, number three. Kind of an old story, but wanted to cover it. The first official trailer for The Defenders has been released. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really like this trailer. And one of the things that stuck out to me first and foremost as a filmmaker is the coloring. I noticed that the coloring fantastic like they have uh, a jessica jones first first scene jessica jones is in this um interrogation with misty knight and it's kind of got this purple tint to it and then daredevil enters from a red door and then you get this wide shot of the room the purple room and then daredevil behind that red door and it's just like it's so great because it literally is like it literally is symbolically and literally, Daredevil coming into Jessica Jones' world, uh, represented by, by both of them being in the same room and their colors sort of being meshed together into the same scene. Uh, that was just fantastic. And, you know, you see yellows for Luke Cage and greens for Iron Fist. Uh, my real, my one hope for this show is that they course-correct with Iron Fist. I think Iron Fist was a terrible show. Worst, worst Netflix show so far. And the character is just not poorly developed, but just underdeveloped, and just, I didn't really like him. He was kind of this whiny kid who just was this righteous do-gooder who just whined and complained, and e- even some bad acting. I'll, I'll also go, yeah, I'll go so far as to say he was a bad, he did some bad acting in this show. Um, so I really hope they course correct with Iron Fist. But otherwise, I'm super stoked for this. I love all the Netflix shows, especially Daredevil and Luke Cage. Those are my two favorites. I didn't even expect to love Luke Cage, and I freaking thought it was amazing. It was a f- such a great show how they interpreted that character onto the screen. And I hope those uh, that character development continues on through the Defenders, and it feels like you know an Avengers-level event where these heroes are coming together to stop Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver. It's kind of cool. And, you know, Elektra's back. She might add something to the plot. You know, maybe she is mind-controlled or whatever. Hopefully all these characters get their comic-accurate costumes. That's the one complaint I have so far, is Daredevil's not in this costume. Iron Fist is still not in this costume. Luke Cage has his costume, so give a pass, and Jessica Jones doesn't really have a costume, so I'll give her a pass, too, but those two better have costumes. I'm serious. (laughs) All right, number three. Or number four, sorry. All right, number four. Looks like the Alien Covenant sequel is already in the works, according to Ridley Scott, and it is rumored to be titled Alien Awakening. Um, and, you know, this is cool. I am a big fan of the first two Alien films. I'm not really interested in this Covenant one because, well, let's face it, I haven't seen Alien Pr- or Alien Prometheus Just Prometheus, so... Wait, it's called Prometheus. Yeah, it's called Prometheus, not Alien Prometheus, sorry. I haven't seen Prometheus, so I can't be too excited about this movie and the characters that are being crossed over, all that stuff. However, I am excited to see the franchise continue. Uh, The only criticism I have of this movie from what I've seen is that it looks like the first Alien, just with new characters. Like, there's nothing that looks new about it, really. Except they're on this covenant planet, and there's some stuff from Prometheus that's gonna, and there's some stuff from from Prometheus that's gonna tie into it. But I oh, know that's about it. And I really wanted to see Alien Five. So I'm still kind of bitter that um, Ridley Scott kind of bullied Neil Blomkamp out of doing Alien Five, so he could get his three Alien prequels out of the way. I know I'm still holding on hope we get Alien Five, but. Yeah, I guess if I ever get around to seeing Alien Covenant and I like it, I'll be more excited for Alien Awakening. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Alright, number five. Uh, Doug Lyman was doing a press conference for his new film, The Wall, and he got to talk about his upcoming film, Edge of Tomorrow 2, the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, and he revealed two things. One... Emily Blunt, who was in the movie, will return alongside Tom Cruise. And the movie has a title, and it's a pretty terrible title. The title of the film is Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. This is a stupid title, and let me tell you why. Or at least why I think it's a stupid title. It shows they've learned nothing from the original. The original suffered from poor marketing. It started out as being called... Based on a comic book, the title of the comic book was, All You Need Is Kill. And that was the title of the movie. And then they changed it to Live, Die, Repeat. And then they changed it again to Edge of Tomorrow, which is what we know it to be today. And, you know, it's not a better title. It's actually kind of a crummy title, but it's it's okay. And this title, you know, I would have been fine with just Edge of Tomorrow too. But this just shows you're, you've learned nothing from that marketing. You're confusing people even more now because, you know, they don't even know what to call the first movie. Now you're you're like, okay, let's call it "Live Die Repeat and Repeat." It's like what? It, it's a terrible title. It's and hopefully it's just a joke. There's rumors that it could just be misinterpreted and it's actually a joke. Honestly, I'm fine with lib, with Edge of Tomorrow" too. It's it's a title, whatever. But "Live Die Repeat and Repeat" is is just stupid is really stupid, I think. And, you know, not to say the title will reflect how good the movie is, but, you know, that movie suffered because of the marketing, and you want to give this movie a good title, one that will not reflect the title that was, the titles that were given for Edge of Tomorrow 1, so hopefully they have an actually good title in mind and not some crummy one like that. All right, well, that was our top five running through the list. That was number one, The first trailer for Blade Runner 2049, number two, Hellboy Reboot with David Harbour, number three, the first trailer for The Defenders, number four, Alien Awakening in development, and number five, Edge of Tomorrow 2 being titled Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Okay, on to our Topic of the Week, one which I've been building up for a long time, so I had the pleasure of visiting Walt Disney Animation Studios about, oh, let's see, what was in, what, March? Yeah, it was about March, I think, is when I visited Disney, so that was about, uh, well, almost three months ago, really, and uh, I wanted to talk about my experience because I learned a lot about animation, about filmmaking, about animation filmmaking, and editing, and how an editor's job in the animation studio differs from live action, and Disney in general, and their history, and it was just such an incredible honor to be at a place where my, a lot of my childhood uh, came to life at Disney, and my fondest memories is, you know, of my childhood is being babysat by uh, my babysitter, or watching movies with my parents, and just, you know, hanging out with those people, and watching Disney movies, and, you know, Toy Story is one of my favorite films of all time, obviously, obviously that's Pixar, it's not the animation, Disney Animation Studios, but Disney has had a huge impact on my life, and to be at the place where all these classic films have come to life has was such a huge honor, and I couldn't be more thankful um, for Jeff Draheim, head editor of Moana, and Frozen, and now Frozen 2, for showing me around. Uh, so I guess I'll just recap the day and what I saw. So I got I got there around 8 a.m., 8 or 9 a.m., and uh, first thing, we met up with Jeff, and he gave us a tour of the whole the whole complex, the whole animation studios, and we saw uh, these old buildings where they used to do the animation, and where actually some of the stuff for Saving Mr. Banks was shot, so that was really cool to see. I, I really enjoyed seeing that. <clears throat> And they also talked about how, you know, every now and then they'd have pickups for live-action projects they were doing. Like, there was actually a day where Johnny Depp was uh, on, on at the studio as, as Jack Sparrow shooting a pickup shot for Pirates of the Caribbean. There was, like, a green screen and half of a pirate ship built on top of one of the buildings. Um, and they'll do stuff like that all the time at the animation studio, which is kind of one of the convenient things you can do when you have, like, you know multiple properties across the world as Disney, so that's pretty cool, they can do that. Uh, I got to see a lot of prop rooms and some really cool props from Star Wars, um, uh, uh, The the Rocketeer, Tron, The Black Hole, some of those really awesome science fiction films that have been forgotten. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, love that movie. Um, And then we got to see the uh, inking cell room where, you know, animated films used to be made with ink and, you know, individual cells, and of course that's not how they're made today, but they still make those cells because people buy them for like $500 a pop, and you still need the colors to color the cells based on how they look in the movie. Well... This room is, like, covered from head to toe with every color ever possible. Is that even a term, ever possible? Every color, every color imaginable. You know, stuff like, you know, specific colors like the color of Ariel's hair, or the color of, uh, you know, Simba's fur, or uh, the color of Genie, the specific, you know, shade of blue that he is, stuff like that, um, really specific colors that they have down to a T. And, you know, they put they make the cells in there. And it's funny, on our way to that room, I ran into John Musker. If you don't know who John Musker is, he is one of the two guys who directed films like Aladdin and The Little Mermaid, I believe, and most recently, Moana. And I love Moana and I love Aladdin. Those are my two favorite animated Disney films. And to see him... Oh my gosh, that was so incredible. And we had a great conversation. I got to talk to him briefly. Um, He was really nice to me. He uh, just seemed like a really nice down-to-earth guy. Wanted to talk more, but couldn't. Um, So yeah, real honor to meet him. And then I got to pass by Don Clements. And I've actually known who Don Clements is longer than I did John Musker. I don't know why, don't ask. But he was shooting an interview for the DVD release of Moana. And seeing him, I saw him being interviewed in the the inking cell room, and it was just like, oh my gosh! Couldn't say anything though. I had to be, I had to be quiet because they were obviously shooting an interview, I didn't want to interrupt that. Um, so we, we we saw that and uh, all the colors, and you know those two guys. That was freaking amazing. Um, and you know, uh, Jeff would show me around places with concept art from Moana and other films. Um, he pointed out one of the, the giant screening rooms where they would do, like, uh, screenings for their films, and that's when they'd have, like, meetings and talk about what works and what doesn't work, and that's where Jeff would get his notes and go back to the editing room and work on the movie. Uh, there's this, like, Disney Walk of Fame area at the animation studio, where it's like this. there's, like, that statue of Mickey and Walt Disney uh, holding hands, kind of like the one at uh, Walt Disney World. And there's just this wall and this uh, walk of just, like, you know, Dick Van Dyke and all these famous um, people who contributed to Disney who were a part of the Disney family. It's kind of this, like, Disney family initiation um, area that's that's just closed off for that. And actually across from that was uh, the office of... um, the CEO of Disney. I'm trying. I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, oh my gosh, this is gonna bug me because I know his name, Bob Iger. Duh. Uh, we saw this. We saw the the office of Bob Iger, and obviously we didn't get to see Bob Iger himself, but it was cool to see that you know his office was right there. It's like oh my gosh, that's freaking awesome. Um, and one thing after seeing all that, one thing I just noticed is that there's so much history and so much. So much uh, passion behind Disney. Like, you can feel the passion and the history, and just decades upon decades of uh, innovation at Disney. It was just, it was just this really um, weird feeling knowing that you're at this place where history was made and where dreams really do come true. I mean, like, I know that's kind of a cliched thing to, thing to say right now, but Disney is really the place where dreams come true, and it's, it's, it, you, you feel it everybody there is happy to be there everybody there is you know happy to be doing what they're doing it's just a really you can't go there and not feel happy really i was surprised i mean not surprised but i was just uh you know it was a weird feeling just feeling the history and the joy behind all of this at the place where it all happens so, you know, then we took a break. We break broke for lunch real quick. I uh, went to a Disney shop where I bought these two um, Star Wars Elite Series figures, which I've never gotten before. I'll have a review for those in the near future. Uh, but then we went inside the actual place where the magic happens, and I actually had to si- sign like a liability form where, like, I promise not to reveal anything that I saw that's, like, super highly classified. I can talk about it, but I can't talk about what I saw specifically. It's kind of like, you know, there's obviously an embargo on a lot of what I saw. But uh, one thing that I I can for sure say that I saw was um, early concepts of Moana and just, just walls upon walls of storyboards and early concept art. Um, and Jeff talked about some of the early... Uh, story elements that were scrapped from Moana, like there was one point where uh, Moana had six brothers and um, you know, the brothers and the dad go and fight the lava monster and they get captured, Moana is the one who has to save them, and that's the whole point of the movie, but they didn't want it to, they, you know, that was felt too political so they didn't want to do, take that angle with Moana and chose a different direction, which I think is a much better direction if I'm being honest um, they made a great choice there you know, they had an idea to bring, like, an Olaf-like character into Moana, and that was scrapped. Um, you know, other characters that were scrapped, and he confirmed to me that that whole Kakamura scene was actually directly inspired by Mad Max Fury Road. Like, there was no question about that. Uh, so it was really cool this to uh, hear. And I got some pictures on a um, 3D uh, real-life scale model of one of those um, boats from Moana, And uh, there's some funny poses I got to do on there, so that was kind of fun. Um, Did I mention my parents were with me the whole time? My parents were with me, too. They they had a lot of fun as well. Um, And then we went upstairs. And when we went upstairs, the first thing I saw, which I immediately geeked out over, was John Lasseter's office. I am a huge fan of John Lasseter. I worship at the throne of John Lasseter. And his office is almost exactly like the one he has at Pixar. It's covered with toys. Like, he's got toys for every single animated movie they've done at Disney, at least the 3D ones. You know, some old Mickeys and some Wreck-It Ralph toys, uh, prep and landing toys, Moana toys, Tangled toys, just toys everywhere. It's like it's like office goals for me, basically. So, and he wasn't there, unfortunately. He only comes to the office on Fridays, and I was there on a Thursday. So, you know, kind of sucked. Actually, no, it was a Saturday, I believe. That was when I was, or maybe it was a third. I don't remember. Anyways, point being, it was an incredible honor to be there and see his office. And even though he wasn't there, it was just like, oh my gosh, imagine if he was. And then we went into this sort of like um, upstairs social area where, you know, this is like the center of the studio and then if you, it's like has like these hallways that split in like four different corners of that room, and those are where the big films are being made. Like right in front of me was Wreck-It Ralph two, and I got to get like a like a two or three second look at some early concept art for Wreck-It Ralph two. And you know I couldn't go any further than like this line. There was like a line I think that you can't go any further, but. I saw some stuff, so uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 looks really cool, based on the concept art, that is. So then we got to the highlight of the entire tour, which was going into Jeff Draheim's office and watching stuff, early stuff from Moana, and him walking me through the process, which I want to do in a bit, and uh, showing me... I'm just going to get this out of the way. I've seen things for Frozen 2, basically, and I cannot tell you what I've seen Frozen 2... And and I'll I'll say this, it's not even a lot. Like, they're really, really early into development, so what I've seen might not even make the final cut of the movie, to be honest. I mean, who knows? But all I can say is that I've seen things for Frozen 2, and that's all I can really say about it. So, but what I saw from Iwana was, like, really cool early um, concepts and uh, some test footage with Dwayne Johnson. Uh like an early animation test with Dwayne Johnson uh, as Maui, um, but the voiceover was, there was like a voiceover from his wrestling days put over that, and that was really cool to see. Kind of like the genie and how they convinced um, Robin Williams to play the genie by putting his comedy bits over animations of the genie. That's Kind of like that. Think of that. Um, so then he walked me through the animation process, and basically how he described it and how I've come to uh, understand it is uh, Jeff is, like, one of the main creative heads of the movie, basically. He is, unlike an editor in, in live action, he is involved in day, like, day one, he's involved. And he's coming up with concepts with the directors and the writers and everybody else involved. It's a big collaborative effort, an animation an, anim, blah, 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 animated movie. <laughs> Sorry, can't speak today. So... First, what he does is he'll um, compile, he'll edit the movie um, just as storyboards. They'll get all the storyboards together, and they will edit a hour-and-a-half movie of just storyboards. And then they will do um, what I believe is a layout. I think it's the layout is what it's called, and that is sort of the uh, a general animation rendering, it's, you know, the characters, they don't move, they don't talk. You know, they, they, they move around a little bit, but, you know, their arms don't move, their bodies don't move. Um, there's no body movement or talking or anything. They're just sort of like, they're just sort of like, you know, action figures, and they're just like, no articulation, basically, is how they're positioned. Not a lot of coloring, not a lot of animation done, it's just that basic um, blocking. Is kind of how I'd say it lay out. And then they'd actually get into giving the characters um, articulation and a voice and sort of personality. Um, The animation looks a little more complete, and I don't remember what that is called. That's like a little bit closer in the process. And then, um, you know, then I think the last step is you put in the uh, textures and the colors and the shading and the lighting. And that's, and that's like the basically like four or five steps of animating a movie. So, Jeff is basically animating a movie from beginning of its conception to, you know, when it's released. So, the editor is constantly working, unlike, you know, in live action where the editor is, you know, maybe they have a couple meetings during pre-production, but they're not needed. They don't actually get to work until post-production. Editor works through pre and post Pre-production, pre-pre production, and post-production. Editor does all three. I mean, there's really not, like, a production element, I guess, of animation. It's kind of, you know, the production aspect is the whole thing, basically. <laughs> I mean, I hope that's an accurate uh, description of what the animation editing process is. So it's um, story... Uh, wait, storyline... So it's, you know, the first, the concept art, and I know there's another term for that, I think it's like story layout or something, maybe, I don't know, something else, I'm forgetting what it is. Um, so there's that, then there's the layout, and then there's, um, you know, personality with the animation, and then there is the final rendering with all the shading and lighting and texturing, from what I understand. Um, so yeah, that was my tour. And just kind of to recap everything, or just kind of to top it all off, uh, like I said, it gave th- this whole tour gave me a better understanding and a better appreciation of animated films. You know, I've always loved animation, but I think I kind of veered away from it when I, you know, found a love for live-action movies. Um, I still have ideas for animated movies that I want to do one day, but, uh, you know, it's further down the line. But seeing Jeff's work and being at a place where so many people's dreams have come true and seeing so many, uh, just a place where creativity is radiating off of every, every building, every person, every, every, everything at that place is radiating with creativity and fun and joy. And everybody is enjoying what they're doing at Disney. I don't think I, see any, I saw anybody there who wasn't thoroughly enjoying their job at Disney. It was incredible. And I gotta give a big shout out to Jeff Draheim. Jeff, thank you so much for the tour once again. Thank you for being nice enough to take me and my parents around, show us uh, Disney and some of the secrets and the things you're working on. Really, really grateful that I got to do that. So thank you, Jeff, shout out to you. I'll check check out Jeff's channel. He does a lot of really fantastic short films. He actually just won an award recently for one of them. So I'll link all that in the description, but you guys should check that out. So, uh, yeah, Disney was fantastic. And again, I saw things for Frozen 2. I can't talk about it, <laughs> so don't ask. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, well, that is it. That's all I got. Thank you all for watching. Hope you guys liked this episode of the Vince Lerno Podcast. If you did, hit that like button and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can check out my short films, trailer reactions, and more episodes of the Vince Salerno Podcast. I hope you guys have a good Monday, good rest of the week, We'll see you next time. God bless and peace out.